Welcome to the Orthopraxis Podcast. I am Ravi Timi and I'm joined by James O'Farren. Hello. And today we are going to be finishing up our series on honor. So over the last several episodes, we've been talking about honor and the distinctives about honor and honor culture specifically, and some of the pros of an honor system. And we've talked about some of the issues with them and what the parts of it that we've been missing in our modern culture. Yes. So one of the things that comes up naturally from this is we're both pretty firm that honor cultures are a good thing, that we (laughs) need more honor in our culture. We need a more honor culture based society. Yes. So the question comes up, okay, I agree with you on that. I agree with you that honor that honor is a good thing and we need to try to bring it back. But how do we do that? How do we create an honor culture? What what is a culture and how do we create one? How do we get back to what we've lost? If we don't like that the system and the culture that we're in in society, what do we do about that? <laughs> exactly. How how do we positively affect the culture or the society that we're in? How do we change it so it's better than it is now? Mm-hmm. Because exactly. as much fun as it is to go online and complain about how rotten everything is, at some point, you kind of have to get off your butt and go do something. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so in order to, as always, like we typically do, is we start with defining terms. What exactly is culture? We've talked about like an honor system or a dignity system within a culture, but what exactly is a culture? And a lot of times people think of this in context of, well, culture are all the artsy things that we do, all of the surface level pieces of things that distinguish one group of people from another. So part of like American culture is burgers and fries or Kentucky fried chicken or something like that. And Japanese culture is (laughs) apple pie, baseball, yeah, sports, all these different kinds of things. And like Japanese culture is like samurai and sushi or whatever, right? Those are, that that is a layer of culture in a sense, but that's not what culture is at its deepest sense. Um, This often, often comes up and to my great annoyance when talking about things like in Bi- in the Bible and like, say, for example, discussion of head coverings and he'll go, well, that was just for their culture. I'm like, well, so <laughs> well, what does that, what does that mean? Like God designed an entire culture for the people of God to follow. So God cares about culture. He designs these things. He does these things for a purpose. Culture has an active role in how we interact morally in orthopraxis in our society. So continuing on from that, the way I think that, and this is something I work with professionally is helping develop culture within organizations, is defining culture as the means by which the values of a group are transmitted from one generation to the next. So you have a set of values, a set of things that are important to that group, and you want everybody to synchronize on that. You want them to all do those things together, right? And so you want the next generation to also do those same things. You don't want them to just randomly start off and do something else. So in order to perpetuate those values, you have a culture, these different practices that embody those values in some way or other. And there's different mechanisms that we do that, such as by playing baseball 
and by eating sushi or whatever, like all these different pieces are, are extensions of our culture that preserve certain values um, that we revere in a culture or society. So that's a short definition. Yes. <laughs> so culture is how you perpetuate your values to future generations. Yes. And so I guess one of the things that we is valuable about honor cultures is that they're very good at perpetuating values. Yes, it is a mechanism not for doing only, not only are they good at perpetuating, right, not only the uh, good way of perpetuating values, but they also have, like we've talked about before, some, they tend to do better at perpetuating positive virtues instead of just punishing negative ones. Right. There's a way back in. Like if you have a right. culture that values, uh, say, honesty, and then somebody tells a lie, in an honor system, that person is shamed, and then they're brought back in again. There's a mechanism for redemption in a dignity right. culture. Once, as soon as you tell a lie, you become unhuman, you're excluded completely. And there's no mechanism for getting back in again is part of that distinction, right. which means it's, it's more living. It's more dynamic. It's able to survive longer. It, it, it's less brittle. So as a culture functions, honor is a hugely critical part for its um, survival. And which means that a society that has a culture that includes honor, it has a better chance of survival as well right and also um honor pushes people to try to excel mm-hmm. as opposed to just trying not to fail right right Which makes so you can sense. end up with much better more aggressive positive virtues mm-hmm. in an honor culture that rewards success and rewards living up to the values and trying to exemplify the values as opposed to just one that punishes you if you slip below the common standard. Right. So how do we go about creating a culture? So you, you don't have a framework in existence for, you know, establishing an honor system. How do you create a culture that does have that piece of its function, functionality uh, intact? Um, because there's a lot of different, you, you can have like a culture at the level of a nation, you can have a culture at the level of a family, uh, you know, a company or it's, you know, a workout group or accountability team. You can have it just in a, in a particular relationship between just, you know, two or three people, you can have mm-hmm. a culture that functions effectively. You need at least three people, I believe, to really have a functioning uh, culture as opposed to just a relationship. But so you need to be able to hand it off to some, like a third party and pass it down for it to really work. But there are a lot of ways throughout history that people have organically or intentionally created cultures. And it really comes down to creating a tradition, uh, particular patterns of behavior that embody those values so that a person can step into those behaviors and exemplify them, be an exemplar of those values and act as a hero, act as a, um, a role model so other people can follow their example and by following their example, enter into that tradition and thereby perpetuate those values. So those types of actions typically follow in general categories. So you have, you know, narrative structures, things that you say to each other to give context. So you have like the story narrative of what's happening and what should happen. So the word dimension, what things that we know about things that are valuable. And then there's the actions, the deed aspect, uh, the things that we do together. Like this is just how we do things. Um, 
like you know, after church, we all put away the chairs together. This is this is an action mm-hmm. thing that we do, right? Well, after washing it, after making a, a, a meal, we all wash the dishes together or whatever, right? These are you know ritual activities that synchronize behavior, and then art. Uh, the way we decorate, the way we uh, illustrate those values in how we do things, the aesthetic, uh, whether it's you know through music or oh, again through stories, uh, film, uh, pictures, uh, the environment, the architecture of things, the shape of the spaces that you do things in, all change and influence and embody values as well. So these three dimensions, word, art, and deed, are really the fundamental dimensions for a living tradition that can help. And you can you can do all those things on purpose. You can design all those pieces and create a culture from scratch if you really want to. Yes. And the key is that what you're doing is one of the important parts of an honor culture is it's only as good as its core values. Yeah. So the traditions are designed to embody to live out those core values yep and you're supposed to be able to use them and a lot of times in better cultures they're specifically designed and refined so that they better more encapsulate the culture that you're looking for the culture that they're aligned around a common goal Right. Correct. Um, that, that's a huge part. Because if you before you can really have a culture, you have to have a community, and a yes. community is a group with a common goal and a leader that embodies the particular values that inform how it plans to meet that goal. So let's say, uh, like I just recently joined um, a workout group called F3 Nation. It's an it's an international now, but uh, it's all over the place. And they have, it's F3 because there's three Fs. There's fitness, fellowship, and faith, right? And they have five distinctive strategic values of how they go about meeting their goal. So they have a particular goal of building masculine leadership in communities. That's their vision, in a sense. And the way they do that is by working out together. And so they have, it's peer-led. So you guys practice leading. Uh, it's always outside to kind of exercise that hardship. You're working out, which is you know, a very masculine thing to do. <laughs> I mean, women can work out yes. too, but guys have a, a particular relationship with working out that's kind of unique. <laughs> uh, and we all exercise together and we always do it outside, no matter what the weather is. Um, it's always free. So you're inviting lots of people. And so all these key values about how they intend to meet that goal, right? And so you have those core values, and then there's certain practices that develop out of those values. So you have a circle of trust at the end of each exercise, because that's how you build that community dimension of creating that community of leaders or or leaders in the community. Um, It rotates through who is leading it every single time. So it's peer-led. You don't end up with one person running the entire thing, because that also serves that goal. So you choose particular values that serve your common goal, that tie your community together, and that's what empowers you to be able to create traditions that create a culture. So you develop from one to the other. But you have to have that common goal. Right. You need the common focus and that common goal so that you can work towards it. Yep. It's and amazing how much you can just like put together a group of people and say, hey, go do a thing. It doesn't really matter what the thing is. Just get them to, to go do a thing, <laughs> and yes, and have and say like have make friends while you're at it, you know. And they do. People just 
do it. Like it's like it could be you could learn to dance, you can, you know, create a you know project together, you can, you know, you know, learn something together, create something together. It doesn't really matter. Just like give people something to do and point them at it together and say, hey, go make friends while you're at it. And you create a community. That's why team building, like team building retreats and stuff are so used is because yeah. they work. It's mm-hmm. because even if the object is medial and they're charging exuberant amounts for making this happen. When you put everybody on the same team to accomplish the same goal, it naturally builds community. It naturally connects them more to each other than if they are all isolated and just doing their own thing. And when you create the community, they're more effective at accomplishing their other goals. Right. And it's why they, and it's why companies will pay buku bucks for people to essentially go out camping for a week. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Is because they're trying to foster that community and they're trying to build that and that sense of camaraderie and that sense of we're all in this together because people function better when we're in it together with someone else. And they're more effective when they incorporate elements of a, you know, a persistent tradition, if you, cause like, if you, it's like um, the difference between regularly, you know, changing your overall um, lifestyle versus taking, you know, a single, uh, you know, weight loss pill or something like that. Uh, if you go like for one time, do a team building event, you can have a temporary effect of teamwork, but because you don't have like a tradition of community right. that exemplify the values of the actual company, in regular practice at work, it can it can it can come across as hypocritical, and people get right resentful because they don't it. have traditions. They don't exactly, have traditions yeah. to uphold their goals. They yep. claim to have these goals, but unless you have something that impact that implants those into the everyday culture, yep. what you end up with is like a sub a short term subculture that happens, yep. which immediately dissipates as soon as you go back to you know the real world, quote unquote. Exactly. <laughs> So there's some actually been really cool examples of people who have successfully created a, you know, a culture dedicated to a particular goal within the larger culture of, you know, um, you know <laughs> immorality and chaos and everything like that. <laughs> you, can, you can create these subcultures and have them have more longevity and resilience um, than the surrounding culture and have more impact on people's lives. So like F3 Nation I brought up, uh, the revolution, um, combination of rebellion and revolution so the rebellion against rebellion effectively and low expectations and they have like a lot of mantras and things like do hard things and rebel against low expectations and adolescence is not a vacation against from responsibility and all these kinds of things <laughs> that ca- characterize a particular goal a particular ethos and set of values and then they come together with you know an artistic idea you know different kinds of actions they do together um to re- create this movement of teens who take action and get off their butts and do things, uh, which is was really powerful. I was really involved back when I was a teen, <laughs> and it's some really cool things. But it's a really great culture. Uh, the, the banquet and ball, another great example with the Yakima Valley Syndicate. Uh, exactly, they're a really good example of an intentionally crafted culture and bring people together uh, by having a common goal and going and doing something together and creating lots of traditions around that. Um, I have lots of ideas for ones that I want to create, of course. Um, but those are just like some examples that we've seen in the real world of right. real communities where people successfully created a strong culture. 
yes, where you come together and create a culture trying to bring back this idea of a community working together. And that's one of the things that is interesting. And it's almost a foreign concept because mm-hmm. especially we here in America have that very egocentric, uh, very me-centered yes. view of the universe. Yes. And I've noticed a sp- it's m- even more on the West Coast where we both lived and where I still kind of live, this idea of the, I put it as like the get off my lawn mentality. Like, why are you near my house? Just go away, (laughs) leave me alone. I'll do what I want. And as long as you don't bug me, I'll let you do what you want. It's a very atomizing, diffracting culture. mm -hmm. Right. Which is not conducive to building long-lasting culture actually right it's not conducive to building a community yeah with common goals and common purposes and you could even like this may sound uh i don't know radical in a sense but it's actually the definition of demonic because the the meaning of the word demon and also um devil and diablo and all the different translations is that which tears apart it's that which rends asunder and um, breaks into pieces. So you know, God brings things into order, brings things into community and unity, right? He brings the most radically destructive and alien parts and redeems them. He brings them in to his community, right? That's what he does. That's, that's, that's the miracle of the incarnation, making the, uh, the mortal created finite um, bounded world and then creating a body um, for God, the uncontainable <laughs> to be contained mm-hmm. within. And all this kind of like, this is, this is the radical miracle of the incarnation um, is this bringing together, right? And unifying things. Whereas the, the rebellion against that is to fragment, to separate, to create schism, to um, break apart and isolate and to atomize culture and community. And so yes. this whole individualistic, um, you know, self focused, uh, culture that we're in, which is perpetuated, you know, in technology and how we interact with media, uh, all these different things has constantly been striving to break apart this integrated culture that God designed into um, the individual, which collapses in on itself. Yes, because we are not made to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Sounds almost biblical. Hmm. <laughs> it's not good for me. Wonder where that alone. came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we're designed to live in culture. We're designed to live in community. We're designed to live with others. Yes. But when this, these two radically different approaches to culture, community, what happens when you have a clash between these two? Right. What happens if when I'm trying to live in community, when I'm trying to create an honor culture, mm-hmm. isn't that going to... Um, come into conflict conflict with the radical individuality of our modern culture mm, let me think <laughs> yes <laughs> yes wow so 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 what can we do with that what what's some how do we deal with those conflicts when they come up when we're trying to live as a group and what's the first thing that's going to happen you're going to be called a cult it's it's just going to happen <laughs> right 
You guys are too nice to each other. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you all well, actually agree with each other? How creepy. To, it's a bunch of people working together to get something done. It's just like a cult. Right. Uh, Which is, so So, how do we deal, I guess, first off, why is there, why would, the, why is there that conflict that happens anytime? Because we've seen this, we've seen this with um, Banquet and Ball, there's, a bunch of people who consider them a cult. <laughs> We've seen it with um I don't I haven't been involved in F3 Nation, but I know that CrossFit ends yeah. up getting called a cult a lot. <laughs> and so so why why is there this tendency? Why is that why is that conflict happening? Why does that conflict happen? Uh I think when, when you're living in a wider society that is so focused on the individual and it, there's a demand for extreme inclusion where you're not allowed to create an honor system where there's an inside and an outside, which, you know, is, is fake because they still dehumanize people and you still fall short. Uh, you still have contempt um, for the people who don't include, right, who don't toe the party line. But, you know, going, going with, with the rhetoric, rhetoric um, hyper-inclusion. As soon as they are outside of a group, right? As soon as there's a us-them dynamic that they see, where this person is really has centered their life around a thing that is not important to me, um, there's a defensive reaction, right? Um, because that person is excluded. And because inclusion is like a primary value for them than that they get a immediate defensive reaction, right? I think that's a big part of it. Right. Um, and so you have to figure out, it's like, well, how to, on the one hand, how to communicate it effectively. But then there's also the aspect of, you know, we're never going to be able to get everybody to understand or agree or validate everything that we do. That's never, right. that's not, that's not one of the goals. <laughs> right. Jesus said when he was sending out the disciples that they're going to hate you because they hated me, because right. you're going to be different because you don't live according to the rules of this world because you are my disciples. You just as it hate me, right? Because you're going to be a different culture because you're going to have different values because you're serving a different kingdom. Yep. So on the one hand, you need to not um, seek out the conflict for its own um, sake, which is counter to the gospel. Um, Correct. Because we're supposed to, as much as possible, as much as it lies with us, live peaceably with all men. Right. Correct. We, we need to the purpose isn't to be as different and as contrary to the world as we possibly can. Yeah. Which is, you know, and a lot of people, I mean, a lot of, you know, like the, uh, the, uh, the Calvinist cage stager, right. <laughs> um, tends to fall into that trap. And a lot of people do. I mean, um, a oh, lot yes. of newly converted Orthodox also struggle with this because like, Hey, we got this really old, cool metal religion, you know, and um, you know, we, we finally have all the answers and can meet everybody else up. Like that's not that's not the spirit of orthodoxy at all, uh, <laughs> and uh, but it has a thing like I get to be very very different. I get to do all these all these crazy things that nobody else is familiar with, and you get to, like this pride ego attachment to being different for its own mm -hmm. sake. 
And that's not a biblical value. That's not a, that's not a healthy value to have in an honor system. Right. Um, on the one hand, um, being new and different and strange can have, you know, an aesthetic appeal. Um, but you have to be very, very careful if you're just seeking difference for the sake of difference, this is what creates isolation. This is what creates schism. And it's counter to the very fundamental nature of God as being unchanging. Right. right? So, I mean, in, in a very entrepreneurial culture, I mean, to be an entrepreneur is to start something new. You're supposed to, you know, disrupt the industry. And it's something I have to be to guard against in my spirit as an entrepreneur, as a serial entrepreneur. I'm seeking for new things, but I can't have just bare newness be a core value, right? Because that gets destructive um, and it becomes exhausting. So you're constantly searching for something new instead of simply finding a thing that works and doing it, right? Um, so we end up with looping back um, to when we're living in a culture of entrepreneurship, in the sense we have this constant striving after newness, we end up with a, uh, a, t- a temptation for us as Christians to say, ah, we are different. And yeah, we're supposed to expect persecution. So whenever someone gets grumpy with me, therefore I must be doing something right. Right. <laughs> or <laughs> Which, it could just be they're grumpy at you because you're being a jerk. I mean, right. Right. <laughs> Which is more likely the problem. Right. So, and so it, 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 and then we end up seeking to be jerk, be jerks for the sake of being persecuted, quote unquote, um, and then making that into in, in and of itself. And that's the exact opposite. We're supposed to be uniting the world to us. That's the right. goal of the gospel. Really? We're, we're here to build the kingdom. We're not here to destroy everything. That yeah. Because and, and, if you like create your, create your values that way, where I'm just whatever they're not, then you're suddenly, at, you're a servant to them. You're enslaved to the world even more so because you just like, they can just push you around everywhere um, based off of whatever they're doing. You just do the opposite. You're still enslaved to them. So you need yes. to positively create a culture that engages with the culture around you in a healthy and positive way. Uh, not necessarily, you know, niceness is, is a loaded term, but be kind, uh, be gentle, be meek. <laughs> right. um, and that and opens the door for you to be able to explain what you're doing and why you're doing it to kind of clarify, like, yes, we're doing this this way because this is tied to this value, not that one. Because, you know, traditions are never in a vacuum, right? It's like we are, so like, like, like as an example, orthodoxy, right? We, we venerate icons and people look at us and you go, oh, you're, you're worshiping, you know, Mary. Um, I'm like, well, no, we're not. Um, we're, we're not ascribing to Mary the worship that is due only to the Trinity. Um, we're not making her one of the Trinity. And people say, well, you're doing this and this and this though. I'm like, well, yes, but what that means to us is this. You can ascribe a different meaning to it, but that doesn't mean that what that's what we mean by it in that sense. Right. And so listening Again, to each other and clarifying. With, right. One of the problems with ascribing intentions to others. Right. <laughs> it's a very dangerous proposition since right. a lot of times we aren't sure about our own intentions, but we are 100% sure about other people's. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, yeah. But that's a really good point. The whole living as much as it is possible with you live at peace with all men. 
Now, there are some ways in which we cannot live at peace with the world. Right. We're in a society that's, that's shameless. Jesus is talking about. Right. If you're living in a society that is shameless, that refuses to accept God's moral order, mm-hmm. the mere fact that you reject their rejection, the mere fact that you hold to the, or, to the creation order yeah. is going to be looked at. Even the as, astonishing scandal of forgiveness. Yes. Right. I mean, people get really high on, you know, uh, this is really sad. This is really sad that, you know, we are as Christians, like more well known for countering culture by not doing things as such as, you know, like homosexuality or all these different kinds are not doing abortion or these kinds of things. Right. And those get framed as, you know, hatred. Right. But even though it's, it's not hatred, um, it's actually loving, but um, we're more well known for being scandalous because of that, rather than being more well-known for the scandal of our forgiveness for people who have done deep in evil wrongs, who seek repentance and then are accepted back into the fold. That's a better testimony. We're not saying we should set aside the other testimony, but I really wish we were better known for that. Right. Because what did Jesus say we were supposed to be known by? We weren't supposed to be known by, by what we didn't do. Right. By the extra rules that we followed that nobody else did or right. by the way that we dressed. It was by our love, by the way we loved each other. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're supposed to be known. Yep. And so that has to be one of the core values of any culture you create. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you have yeah. to understand that that's going to cause problems. Yeah. Yeah, um, it absolutely will. But then you have to encounter those problems it, themselves with love. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yeah, just the focus should be on living at peace, but also living in love. And whom shall we serve? You or should we honor God? Oh, yes. what is that? That's yeah, something like that. Yeah. Where if the two are in conflict, we choose right. to honor God more than we honor the culture we're in. Yeah. But we the master culture is always Christ. Right. That, that, that's, that, if you're looking at heroes who exemplify the values that are supposed to live out, right? The ultimate um, uh, prototype of that is Christ. Christ is yes. the exemplar, the hero of the culture from which of which all cultures should be a subculture of. Mm-hmm. If they're not a subculture of that, then they are outside um, Christianity and um, are uh, in, in many ways less than nothing. It's not until they are brought in and encountered and baptized that they should really have tremendous pull on us um, or authority over us. But we still have to engage with them. We have to communicate with them in order to do that. So we yes. interface with them and translate for them so that we can bring them in. Yeah, we have to, it has to be able to bring others in. That's one of the keys of an honor culture. Yeah. Yep. Of a good culture is that it brings others in. There's an entry door. Yes. And a re-entry door. <laughs> yes. And the re-entry door. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, so interacting with multiple cultures at once. Um, we have to realize that, you know, Christ is the master culture. And what, if there's a conflict his trumps the others, um, but that the core values of Christ's culture is love and self-sacrifice, 
uh, the ultimate expression of Christ is his crucified self. Like he died to save the world. He didn't, you know, um, you know, browbeat people to save the world. That that wasn't, that wasn't really the goal. I mean, he did it on occasion um, as necessary (laughs) as part of the shame (laughs) dimension of the honor culture. Right. Um, he, 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 He didn't pull back from that, but the ultimate expression of who Christ is, is him crucified. Um, right. And so this is who we are. This is how we engage with other cultures is by dying to ourselves, being humble and encountering people in meekness and in love. Mm-hmm. But how do we stick to that? How do we maintain the integrity? Cause it's really easy to like yeah. get wishy-washy and like just kind of capitulate. It's like, Oh, well, we're, uh, uh, we don't want to offend anybody. So we'll just kind of go along with that. So that's, 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 that's we want to do that either. Um, and it's easy to also in a culture to deviate and run across the foul of like other ways of doing things. And it's also track. easy to go the other way and just, oh, we're getting pushback. So I'm going to go even harder just to be contrary. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's uh, pride <laughs> defensive reaction. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. How do we maintain cultural integrity mm-hmm. without letting it go bad without letting it rot or go wrong. Because right. we, we have an example like in our first episode of the series about how when people complain about honor cultures, they often give examples of cultures that are honor cultures, but who have, you know, toxic effects, right? But then we pointed out that that, that was mainly not because of the fact that they were on our culture, but because uh, they had bad values in said honor culture. Like if you um, have as one of your values that men are inherently worth more than women, and so women are, are all effectively slaves, then yeah, the honor culture is going to have uh, problems. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do we keep our values from going astray? Like over, like America ended up with an overemphasis on independence, which led into uh, individualism, which has led to isolation and fragmentation. So that was like a value that it had at the beginning, but then it became a bit, too much right so there was it became overemphasized it as we went on yeah exactly at first independence at least when you read like the declaration of independence independence was the last option yeah that wasn't the point it was <laughs> we can't do we've tried everything else nothing else works we have to sue for independence we have yeah. to be self-governing yep and, and but what it's morphed into is this whole idea of almost independence at all costs <laughs> right almost antinomianism there should right. be no law that no law can hold me sort of stuff <laughs> right which is which is a horrific uh turn of events which yes. was you know which the founders ruling over and their graves over it <laughs> this is not the point um so the part of the part of my thought my, my meta hypothesis in a sense of that is that because of these the most impactful actions that were most celebrated and most memorable of the revolution was, wait, we won independence from the biggest empire in the world, right? And right. that was celebrated. And the, 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 that, that became a huge emphasis because that was the specific action that was exemplified. And there wasn't a balancing value that was also equally celebrated. Right. right. 
So, I mean, the founders talked a lot about the consanguinity of the peoples of America and the common faith of America and the uh, you know, common values and beliefs and all these kinds of things that were really important for how unified they were. And being able to collaborate together and work together was really emphasized in their writings. Like if you read like the, the yeah. Federalist Papers, that was a huge emphasis and recurring theme. Uh, that kind of didn't get held together as uh, how important it was to maintain commonality uh, and unity. That was not a, a piece of it that was really emphasized. And then it was also it's like, they, they also had to shy away from some of the aspects of that because of the slaveholders in the South. They, in order to get the, the South to sign on to their Declaration of Independence and, and the Constitution, they had to leave out some pieces, some values um, that would have probably balanced out that striving for independence um, at all costs. Right. And again, part of what we're trying to explain here is that you have to be very careful about what you apply as your core values. Mm -hmm. Because if like independence was one of their core values and it was a good core value, but it wasn't actually, that wasn't the key value that they were trying to push. It just became, it just overtook all the rest of them. Yep. And that's one of the thing, one of the things that you have to watch out for is you have to choose values that are good, but will mm -hmm. also last. Yes. You have to look at okay, what will this look like multiplied times 10, 20 years down the road or a hundred years right. down the road. <laughs> what, 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 what will that look like? What are the ways that people can get unbalanced in this and uh, plan ahead of time in order to try and balance that out and incorporate pieces. So like uh, in the banquet and ball, a lot of things that they do, they try and keep it very open to interpretation. So people get out what they bring in. But most of the effort that they put into actually clarifying things is to make sure that people don't misinterpret it in the really wrong ways. Right. So they make sure that people don't interpret um, the uh, duels in the wrong way. Right. This is not about um, like you, you are honorable whether you win or lose. Right. Right. You're not you're not earning honor by winning. <laughs> that's right. that's not how that works. Um, that's just why they had you call the touch on. That's why you call the touch on yourself. Um, right. That, this that isn't a competition to impress the girls. That's not what we're here for. Which is why the girls so can't the watch. The girls it. don't even watch. <laughs> yeah. So that, so they in order to remove some of the toxic aspects that could interject themselves, they specifically calibrate the design in order to remove those possible interpretations. So that's mm -hmm. really well done in that. Yes, the 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 forward thinking of okay, we're going to try to remove possible future obstacles that could be that could be worked in here eventually. Yep, or that could be taken away, not necessarily by the group, but by one individual. We're trying to make sure right. that the process stays pure. Yeah, exactly. And then so, also yeah. another key point in making sure that you maintain that integrity is you need to have an authority structure. Yes. You need to have some kind of accountability because yeah. that's one of the things that makes cults so right. scary. Is this is what actually makes usually, a cult a cult. <laughs> right. Is that the leader does not have any accountability. Right. The leader 
is accountable to no one but himself. And that's the scary proposition to be in. <laughs> right. Because if you have an individual person who is the embodiment of the values and the values are like slaved to whatever he does instead of to an external source, instead of, instead of the hero, those are between a cult leader and a hero, a hero is not the source of the values. The hero simply is a good example of the values, a role model for how to follow the values. The values, the values are independent of them. So you can swap right. out whoever the hero is without damaging the values. Whereas a cult leader makes whatever they do the values. So you can't really swap them out effectively. Um, and he maintains absolute control. So there's no checks and balance. The, the, the cult leader can't be shamed because whatever the cult leader does is honorable. Right? Right. And so this is a dis, very, like the worst kind of dysfunctional honor system because you've removed the entire capacity um, for perpetuating it in any way because it's locked to that one person. And, there's, and, there you have, and you have a person inside of it who's exempt from the law of shame. Everybody else can be right. shamed for not measuring up, but the leader himself can't. That's, that's destructive and dangerous and really problematic, to say the least. <laughs> right. So one of the things you have to be very careful of is to make sure that your culture that you are trying to build has accountability and also is submitted to Christ. Yes. Because Christ is the ultimate culture. These are all subcultures Correct. of Christ. This is the point. Right. Christ is the cult leader. <laughs> right. Exactly. He is. That, that, that's the point. It's like, like a cult leader um, is, a, is an idol because they're supplanting the role that Christ fills. Instead of right. pointing to Christ, they transplant and replace Christ. So Christ is the ultimate source of what is good. We are all supposed to do exactly whatever Christ does. Like he, he's the archetype, that yes. the source, the fountain of what is good, what is what is right and proper orthopraxis. Um, right. So the point yeah, of our lives it. is to conform ourselves more and more into the image of Christ. Right. And in the end, we will be like him for we will see him as he is. Nobody else gets to have that role. <laughs> right. We only emulate That's others insofar point. as they are examples of following Christ. And the leadership must be held accountable to being in submission to Christ. Right. And that's one of the things that you have to make sure of is that there's a function in which even the leadership is under the rules. Yes. Of the culture. Absolutely. Even the leadership has to submit to the higher goal, to the higher calling, to the purpose. Especially the leadership. Yes. Especially the leadership. Cause they're the ones who are held held up highest and so the point of why they're being held up is because they're the ones who are supposed to be following the rules the best so if they fall short they need to be removed from that they, they need to be brought down so that they can correct themselves and only have the right people up there mm -hmm. now and, and, and an aspect of all of this um is realizing that we need to have we should never only be in one circle or in one culture at a time Right. So as one aspect of a cult is that they are very exclusionary. They don't allow right. any other cultural influences to come in to you know, compete with the cult leader. And so you end up with only one circle of accountability in a sense, whereas we're designed to be shaped by many circles of belonging. So like, you know, my family, uh, my parish or my, you know, my church, my school, uh, my city, uh, my nation, 
um, you know, my career, uh, you know, in different areas of belong there, you know, make various clubs, exercise groups, you know, whatever, or, or, you know, recreational circles, you know, all these different subcultures are all different intersecting uh, subcultures. And so if I'm going awry in one, somebody else in one of those other cultures should catch it. They should be able to look in and peek in and because of that overlapping of relationships and community, they can act as a check and a balance to a degree. Right. There needs to be some form of cross-checking. Yeah. Because one of the things is that what ends up happening is if you don't have multiple circles, if you don't have multiple cultures you're in a part of, what you end up doing is you end up that culture now has to define every point of your life. Every single one. (laughs) And every single point that it defines now becomes a live or die, a hill you're willing to die on. Yeah, this is where you end up with churches who are in the exact same denomination, but who won't speak to each other because they have different colors of hymn books. (laughs) They're anathematizing each other over um, whether they're pre-trib or post-trib or (laughs) yeah yeah all kinds of crazy stuff Um, because they right because they're holding because they don't have any outside authority they don't have any accountability they end up becoming an echo chamber yeah a a complete law unto themselves yes which is not ideal when no. judges says in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did as he saw fit, yeah, this was not a good thing. I know this no. is going to come as a shock to some Americans, but <laughs> my poor libertarian friends out there. But 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 <laughs> no, every man doing as he sees fit is not a good thing. It's a sign of God's judgment on the chaos and anarchy yeah. for rejecting His laws. Yeah, that's the idea. Like the, the true libertarianism lies within following proper laws and structure. Um, mm-hmm. It's not having them, you know, over stretching those bounds and doing things beyond what they're supposed to do. But uh, you, you do have to have that structure. You have to have that authority. You have to have that law structure in place, uh, that honor system in place, in order to function as a society. All right. So we looked at kind of what what a culture is, what a community is. Um, how they intersect with each other, how they interact with each other, particularly when they're at odds, and then kind of how to maintain integrity of your culture to keep it from you know going bad um, by you know whether it's you know being too all inclusive uh, or not having an, too many values versus not enough values, <laughs> and trying to balance all those together. If you guys listening know of any particular subcultures out there, like you know, like a Free Nation or the you know, Yakima Valley Syndicate and Lincoln Bowl type people or whatever, uh, if you know of any other ones, let us know. Uh, I love these kinds of, of people and we love to like get involved with them and encourage them and yes. support them and being part of more overlapping circles of cultures that are subcultures of Christ. Yes. Being able to put and being able to point other people to them and share them yeah. with others. Yeah, exactly. Because the more of these kinds of so, subcultures, yeah. local subcultures we create, the better the overall culture of the nation and the world that we live in will improve. This is how we transform the world. Yes. Yes. This is how we bring God's 
reign on earth. Yeah. Because yeah, so much of us, it, it falls into the individual's thinking, like I individually must go out and save the world. It's like, well, no, we as the church go out <laughs> and, and bring Christ's kingdom to the world. Uh, right. God doesn't call us, God calls us and holds us responsible individually, but also as communities. And so God saves us in community. God leads us in community and God works through us in community. So we need to go out and create communities, create cultures uh, that impact the world um, for his glory. Yeah. So thank you all so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think. We'd love to hear about possible Mm -hmm. cultures that you know of. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you like. Um, Interact with us. We're on Facebook. Um, we have a Discord channel that's really a lot of fun. It is. We'd love Lots to hang, memes, see you guys around. <laughs> so, as you go, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God.